Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope that the message that you are about to hear not only encourages you, but helps you follow Jesus like never before. If you feel blessed by this teaching, I wanna challenge you to do two things. First of all, share this with someone that you know needs to hear this. And second of all, I want you to consider giving back to the ministry so that other people that just like you could also grow in their relationship with Christ. To do so, simply go to cfmiami.org give, and there you can follow the instructions, all right? Thank you so much. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. Amen. How many of you believe that today? How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses? Come on and give Jesus a loud shout of praise. Spirit, lead me. I want to trust you. Guide me. You sustain me. You hold my life together. Amen. You know, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 that he holds all things together, all created things together. That means that he holds your life together. Amen. Amen. Well, we want to welcome you to Christ Fellowship. My name is Carlos, and I serve as the executive pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church, and I'm also part of the teaching team. And if you're joining us for the first time, we want to say thank you so much for being a part of our worship experience. Yeah, let's give it up for them. We're excited. Hey, I like that. And I want to welcome all of our campuses across Miami, West Kendall Campus. We love you. Doral, we love you. Redland Campus, we love you. Core Gables, we love you downtown. If you're watching us online, we love you as well. Christ Fellowship Palmetto Bay, can we give it up for all those that are tuning in? This summer, we started a series on the book of Romans, specifically chapter 8. If you don't know this, uh, Romans chapter 8 by many uh, theologians, Bible scholars, they believe it is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. And so we're going verse by verse throughout the summer. And so we hope that you're enjoying it. And so we're going to be tackling verses 9 and 10. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Romans chapter 8. We're going to go to verse, uh, verse 9. Are you ready today? Amen. Come on. Amen. Here's what the Word of God says. The Apostle Paul is writing to the churches, church in the city of Rome, and he says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Say it with me, Spirit. spirit. Say it like you mean it, Spirit. spirit. If, in fact, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, because of the flesh that we deal with, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Amen? Amen? Let's go to the Lord and let's pray. Father God, we just come before you. We thank you for this time that we can gather together, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord, because you are a good and gracious God. Lord, it's not about the lights. It's not about the haze. It's not about things that we see and things that we get to enjoy, Lord. But ultimately, Lord, it's, it's about you, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for our sins. You were buried and you were raised from the grave. And your word says in Colossians that you hold all things together, Lord. And in light of everything that's going on in our world with all the political unrest and all the social unrest and inflation and the economical situation that we're going through, God, I just pray, Lord, that we may trust you, God. Speak to us today, Lord. We want to be transformed by the power of your word, God. Eliminate every single distraction from our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. You can have a seat now at all of our campuses. 
Well, hey, this weekend we celebrate our 4th of July, right? 4th of July, and we celebrate that our nation is a free nation. I was born and raised in Miami, and I'm grateful for this country. And in July 4 of 1776, our nation became a free nation. And on 4th of July, there's a lot of traditions, a lot of festivities that we Americans and people all over the country, uh, we do. And we gather together with family and friends. And one of the things that we do is that we enjoy fireworks. And so you either uh, do some fireworks at home or in a park or you go somewhere uh, to enjoy the display of fireworks. But other than that, did you know that on 4th of July, more than any other day, We Americans and people that live in this country, we love, love to barbecue. More than any other day, Americans barbecue more than Father's Day, more than Memorial Day, more than Labor Day, more than any other holiday. In fact, did you know that on 4th of July, we consume about 150 million hot dogs? That's a whole lot of, hopefully, beef hot dogs, right? Nathan beef hot dogs are the best. Well, because of inflation, maybe that number is less because a pack used to cost you like $3.55, and now it's like $7.55. But, you know, people love their hot dogs. We consume about 700 million pounds of chicken on 4th of July. We barbecue about 700 million pounds of chicken in our country and about 190 million pounds of red meat and pork. So we love our barbecue. In fact, how many of you on 4th of July, you're going to be barbecuing, you're going to be grilling, make some noise at all of our campuses, yeah. And in case you don't know this, your boy, I love to grill. Oh, I love to barbecue. I mean, it's one of my hobbies. If you follow me on social media, you probably see some videos. I love to grill some churrasco, some picanha, some ribeye, some hamburgers, hot dogs, New York strip. And the favorite thing that I enjoy doing are some baby back ribs. Yeah. I use the three, two, one method. If you don't know about it, Google it. It will, it's, I'm telling you, it, it is awesome. In fact, with, with that in mind, take a look at me grilling uh, some ribs. Take a look at this video right now. Take a look at this video. Looked amazing, right? Uh, afterwards, we go to my house and I'll barbecue for everyone, all right? So it's my wife, it was my wife's birthday yesterday, so we'll have a big party and so we'll enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, so it's gonna be, it's gonna be good. But here's the thing, as much as I love to barbecue and as much as I love to grill, I wanna let you know that about two years ago, my amazing primary doctor who actually attends Christ Fellowship, she told me, Carlos, you need to let go of some of that barbecuing. You need to let go of some of that red meat because your cholesterol is high. Your cholesterol is high. And she she told me, she gave me a list of foods for me to start eating. And so she gave me a list of these things. She's like, you got to start eating more spinach. You got to start eating more kale. You got to start eating more apples, more bananas, more carrots, all the healthy, not-so-tasteful things. 
And so I started eating these foods, and I'm going to tell you, the struggle is real because there is a battle in me between choosing what is healthier for my physical health over what is not so healthy for my physical health. And can I tell you, the more that I've been eating these foods, I actually enjoy them. I actually desire them. My wife can tell you there are moments where I rather eat and I crave a green goddess cob salad from Panera with no dressing over a bacon double cheeseburger from Burger King or Shake Shack or Burger Fi because I've been eating more. Someone said, nah, man. So I've, been, <laughs> I've been eating more of this healthy food. However, nevertheless, the struggle is real. And there's always this battle between eating what is healthy and good for me physically over what is not good for me and unhealthy for me physically. Now, let me bring all of that over to our teaching for this weekend. Because don't miss the point in all of this. Because just like there is a physical battle that I have to go through over choosing what is healthy or unhealthy for me physically, just like that. In every single one of us, there is a spiritual battle if you're a child of God. Whether you realize it or not, there is a spiritual battle in us of choosing whether we choose the things of the Spirit or we choose the things of the flesh. Whether we choose the things that are Spirit-led and are in line to the Word of God or we choose the things that are not aligned and are contrary to the word of God. So that poses the question, Carlos, I'm tracking with you, and I get you, and I know that there is a spiritual battle, but how do I overcome the flesh? How do I overcome the sin in my life? Because I feel like I always fall into the same sin over and over and over in my life. So how do I walk in freedom? How do I walk in victory? Well, we're going to find out today as we go through this passage in Romans chapter 8. And so we love uh, to take notes here. And so make sure that you take out your listening guide, take out your Christ Fellowship app. And first thing we need to realize is that as we go through this battle, we're not alone. Every follower of Jesus, write this down as your first point, has God's spirit. Every follower of Jesus has God's spirit. Let's go back to that passage and read it once again because the Apostle Paul is writing uh, this letter and he says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but instead you're in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Now, let me give you a little bit of theology to set up our teaching for today. So this is going to be very teachy right now at this moment. The Apostle Paul in, in Romans chapter 8, which is known as one of the greatest, uh, most theological chapters in the Bible, and many know it as the great eight, uh, he mentions the Holy Spirit 22 different times in chapter 8. Mind you, from chapters 1 through 7, he only mentions the Holy Spirit twice. Meaning what? Meaning that chapter 8 is focused on the Holy Spirit's work in the life of the believer. It's focused on the ministry, on how the Holy Spirit operates in the life of a, of a Christian. And so I want to share something that is simplistic, but at the same time very profound, to give us a foundation uh, for our teaching for this weekend. 
Because here's something that I need you to realize, and I want you to write this down as your first point. God's Spirit comes inside of you at the moment of your salvation. Whenever you got saved, whether it was last weekend or it was two years ago or 22 years ago, whenever that moment that you gave your life to Jesus Christ, he became the Lord and Savior of your life, you repented from your sins. At that moment, God's Spirit came inside of you. It's not something that we have to wait for later on. You see, there are some Christian circles and some believers, well-meaning believers, that believe that after salvation, we need to wait around for another second blessing or a second experience known as like the uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit or the filling of the Holy Spirit. But theologically, that is incorrect. In fact, when I was growing up, there were times where people in the church would say, hey, you know, you're a child of God, you're a believer, you follow Jesus, uh, but do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Well, the moment that you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the answer is yes. And the Apostle Paul affirms that through God's Word. Look at what that verse says. Verse 9, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. In other words, if you belong to Christ, you will have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. Because if you don't belong to Christ, you don't have the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, this is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, in him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. In other words, the moment that you trusted in the gospel salvation, the moment that you got saved, what happens? You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit come into a person's life the moment that they trust in Jesus Christ and they believe in the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Look at what the Apostle Paul writes. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. And he's talking about salvation, that at the moment of salvation, you are baptized in the spirit of God. Now, some people would argue and say, Carlos, I'm tracking with you and I get you. Uh, but listen, how, how come in the book of Acts, uh, there are certain narratives, there are certain stories where believers, they gave their life to Jesus. They became followers of Jesus Christ in the book of Acts. Later on, they would get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, that only happens in the book of Acts. And the reason why that happens is because it was the inauguration of how the Holy Spirit would function, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, after the resurrection of Jesus. But after the book of Acts, that doesn't happen. We don't see a moment with some, when someone gets saved and later on they have to wait for the baptism or the filling of the Holy Spirit. In fact, never in the apostles' writings does he ever command any of the churches, the church in Corinth, the churches in Ephesus, the church in Rome, Never does he command the believers to say, hey, listen, once you get saved, listen, the moment you get saved, you got to pray now for the Holy Spirit to baptize you and for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Never is there that commandment. 
And so the moment, I'm just giving us some theology just to set up the foundation for us today. The moment that you trust Jesus, at that moment, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. And here's something that I want you to know. God's Spirit takes permanent residency in your life. He becomes a permanent resident in your life. Going back to that passage in Romans 8 verse 9, he says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. If you're taking notes, if you're writing this down on your, on your Bible app or you're putting this on your, on your phone, I want you to circle or underline the word dwells. We've told you many times that the New Testament was first written in Greek and then translated into other languages. And that word dwells in the Greek is the word okeo, okeo, and it means to dwell permanently. It is the idea of being in your own home. It is the idea of being in your own home. You see, in the Old Testament, there is a misconception, speaking of the Holy Spirit, there's a misconception that believers have that the Holy Spirit was not active in the Old Testament, but only in the New Testament, in the life of a follower of Jesus, a follower of Christ. That is not true. Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was active. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, look at what the Word of God says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit, so it means Spirit, Spirit. say it like you mean it, Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. We see the Spirit of God active in creation in the beginning in Genesis 1-1. We see Him active in the life of Joshua. Numbers chapter 27, verse 18, the Lord replied, take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the what? Spirit in him and lay your hands on him. In David, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. We see him active in the lives of of followers of God, of followers of Jesus in the Old Testament. See, but in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God, the way that it operated, it was active in the form of visitation. Visitation. It was only for a specific moment. It was only for a specific season. It was only for a specific task. It was only for a specific responsibility. It was only for a specific purpose in the form of visitation. In the New Testament, after the resurrection of Jesus, it's not active in the form of visitation, but rather habitation. Not just a moment, not just a season, not just a specific task, but instead he is there permanently with you. He's the Holy Spirit. In other words, child of God, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is not a visitor in your life. He is there all the time. Last week, uh, my family and I, we went on vacation, and we went to this place in South Carolina called Carolina Pines, and my family, my parents went, my brother, my, my sister, tons of us, we went, and uh, we had an amazing time, and it's really cool for the kids, and uh, it's an RV resort, and we don't, we don't own an RV, but so what you do is you can stay in cottages. It's these little cute homes with a full kitchen, it's small, but full kitchen, living room, dining room. And so we stay there. The kids had an amazing time. They had time in the pool, miniature golf, and 
we had a blast. And then uh, while we were there, we were there for six nights and seven days. And so on the last day, uh, we are heading back home and we're packing our stuff and we're getting in the van. And our children, our, my daughter and our two boys are like, mommy, 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 poppy, 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 poppy. We don't want to leave Carolina Pines. We don't want to go back home. I told him, listen, listen, we had a blast. We had an awesome time, but that's not our home. We are just visitors. Our home is in Miami, Florida. Our home is in Palmetto Bay. And so we drove on Thursday night, on Thursday, and it was a 10 and a half hour drive. And so we get back home, Shawnee and I, and it's about 1030 at night on Thursday, and we're tired and we're exhausted. And we're like, ah, it feels good to be home. There is no place like home. Have you ever said that before? No place like home. Because no matter how amazing and beautiful the resort is that you go to the hotel, no matter, it doesn't matter how beautiful the view is and how much lavender they put on the room for it can smell good. Because probably they didn't clean it too well and so they have to put all this lavender for it to smell much better. It doesn't matter how beautiful the cabin is that you go to in the Carolinas or you go to in the West Coast. It doesn't matter how amazing that hotel or that room or that house, the Airbnb home that you stay in. There is no place like home. And I came to remind you today, if you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit is not a visitor in your life. He has made his home in your life. He's not there just for six nights. He's not there just for the week. He's not there just for summer vacation. He's not there just for a season. He's not just there for the good moments. He's not just there for the bad moments. He's just not there when you're in the mountaintops, when you're in the valley, but in every single season of your life, in every single moment, every single day, if you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit is inside of you, and because the Holy Spirit is inside of you, He leads you, He sustains you, He guides you. How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses? If you're watching me in Doral, at Redland, at Core Gables, at West Kendall, he's not just a visitor. Tell the person next to you, he's not just a visitor. Tell the other person next to you, he's just not a visitor. He is always with you. And so the Apostle Paul is reminding them, listen, because you are a child of God, God's Spirit is inside of you. And this is why this is important, because the Holy Spirit helps you overcome sin. Look at what that passage says in Romans chapter 8, verse 10. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, we still battle with the flesh. The Spirit is what? Life. Because of righteousness. That word life in the Greek is the word zoe. It means life in abundance, life in fullness. And the way that you experience a life in fullness is by being devoted to God. It's by being committed and allowing God's spirit to work in you and through you. And here's the important thing that you need to understand today. You see, Christ's death releases you from the penalty of sin. Because of Jesus Christ, because he died, he released you from the penalty of sin. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake, he made him who knew no sin, meaning Jesus Christ, become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Meaning Jesus took all of the sin of this world, put it on himself, nailed it on the cross 
so that when God looks down on humanity and he looks at his children, he sees you as righteous. Nigel, when God looks down on you, Henry, when God looks down on you, uh, Denise, Melissa, Maria, when he looks down on you, Carlos, when he looks down on you, he doesn't see you as a sinner. He sees you as a saint. He doesn't see you as guilty. He sees you as righteous. So Christ's death releases you from the penalty of sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. But here's the amazing thing. Christ's spirit releases you from the power of sin. Christ's death releases you from the penalty of sin. Christ's spirit releases you from the power of sin. We're still going to struggle with this thing called flesh. And there's still going to be this battle between choosing what is right and choosing what is wrong. But that's where the Holy Spirit comes in the life of believer is to help us overcome the power of sin. That's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. The spirit of him in that same chapter who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Think about that for a moment. The same spirit that was with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who had been dead for three days, who had been buried on the ground. The disciples had left the place. They were locked into a room, hiding, afraid. That same spirit, child of God, is inside of you. And because of that, you can overcome sin in your life. See, one of the greatest lies that the enemy wants you to believe I want to look straight at the camera, is that you don't have the power to overcome a certain sin in your life. One of the greatest lies that the enemy wants you to believe is that you don't have the power to overcome a certain sin in your life. Oh, Pastor Carlos, that's just who I am. I'm always going to struggle with that addiction. That's just part of my family. It's a generational thing. We've gone from one generation to another to another. You know, we all struggle with that as men, as guys. You know, we, you know it's just part of tradition, culture. I was just taught that way. I'm always going to struggle with that addiction. I'm always going to struggle with that bitterness. I'm always going to struggle with the unforgiveness. It's part of my genes. It's in my genes. It's who I am. I'm always going to struggle with that sin. I'm always going to struggle with that problem. I'm always going to struggle because that's who, who, who I am. No, no, wait a minute. That's not who you are. That's who you used to be. Because you're a child of God, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses? If you're watching us online, Pastor, Pastor Al, a couple weeks ago, spoke about, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise God. We love that. Speak it over your life. Amazing. The no condemnation is not only for information, but the no condemnation should always lead to transformation. Let me say that again because a couple people heard it this way. Let me go this side. The no condemnation should not just lead to information. It should always lead to transformation.
transformation. God is transforming you. He's renewing you. He's building your character to be the man and woman of God that he's called you to be. But oftentimes, because we hit a wall, a spiritual wall, and we fall into the same sin, we walk a defeated life. I feel like, oh, we can't overcome that sin. I've struggled with this so many years in my life, and I just can't overcome this battle. I just cannot win this battle. Years ago, there was a marine biologist that conducted a research study in which he got a massive, he got a water tank, and he put a barracuda in the tank, and then he put a tiny fish on one side. Immediately at the moment that he put the tiny fish, the barracuda went to get the fish and got his meal. It ate the, the tiny fish, and they were expecting for that to happen. So what the marine biologist decided to do was that he put a glass wall uh, to separate the tank into two different chambers. And so he put the barracuda on one side, and then he put another small fish on the other side. This time, the barracuda still being hungry with his aggression, and he was mighty and strong. He went again to get the fish, the, the small fish, but this time, he hits the glass wall. He doesn't see it. It was see-through. Moments later, aggressive and, you know, with all his power and strength and speed, goes again for the fish, sees the fish swimming, hits the glass wall. As time went on, the barracuda tried less and less to go after his meal because he felt defeated. There is a wall to get me where I need to go. So then the marine biologist decides to remove the glass wall, and he allows the barracuda and the other small fish to swim freely. So now the barracuda is swimming freely there, and Nemo's there, scared as heck, <laughs> running for his, swimming for his life. But guess what? This time, the barracuda doesn't even attack the fish because in his mind, he was defeated because he had hit the glass wall so many different times. He didn't try to go after his meal. I wonder how many believers operate that way. With a defeated mindset, you have struggled with this sin over and over, and you continue to hit the glass wall over and over and over, and you feel like, you know what, I'm not even going to try anymore. That's it. I am just done. I'm just going to always deal with this. No, no. This 4th of July weekend, you don't have to be a slave to your sin. You can walk in freedom, not because of your own power, not because of your own ability, but because the Spirit of God is inside of you. You can overcome whatever sin struggle you go through in life. How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses? The glass wall is no longer there. The death of Jesus took down the glass wall. You can get there even if you've fallen so many times up. But here's the amazing thing, and here's something very important for us to understand, because you're probably thinking, Carlos, I'm tracking with you. I get you. I've tried so many different things, and I've tried to do these different things, and I continue to fall. Here's what I want you to know. Following Jesus is not about trying harder, but about greater surrender. Yeah, it's about surrender, because religion says do. Religion gives you a list of things to do. Oh, you got to do these things for God to love you and for you to get more holy. The gospel says it's been done. And because it's been done, then I can surrender it all to God. Amen. God, I surrender my will 
to your will. God, I surrender my home, my family, my marriage, my finances, everything to you, Lord. And when you surrender it all, God's spirit then begins to operate and move in your life. William Booth, the founder of uh, United Way, not United Way, Salvation Army, the founder of Salvation Army, he said the following, the greatness of a person's power is the measure of his surrender. How much are you willing to surrender? You just can't surrender some of it. When it comes to God, you have to surrender all of it. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the apostle Paul, in the same book, he says, present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Think about this for a moment. An instrument doesn't tell the musician what to play. So say, hey, you got to play the, the, the D note. You got to play F sharp minor. You're playing me wrong. You, you just got to, you, you got to play. No. An instrument plays whatever the musician is playing is what's going to be played. When you come to Jesus, you no longer have rights. But that's when you experience true freedom, when you say, I surrender it all, God. My life is in your hands. But the thing with surrender, so important that we understand this, is that total surrender requires total trust. Total surrender requires total trust. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, surrender himself, and take up his cross and follow me. Every sin issue in life, the reason why we fall into sin is because we don't trust God's word. Every sin issue in life is a trust issue. The reason why you're in a relationship, young person or single person that you should not be in, that is pulling you away from the things of God, and you're not walking in the spirit, but rather you're operating in the flesh, is because you're not trusting God's word. And God's word says that you find your completion not in someone else, but rather in Christ. And God has someone better for you. The reason why you haven't surrendered to God your finances, you don't trust them. Oh, well, Pastor Carlos, you know, inflation and gas prices, I get it. And the real estate market and just the situation that's going on. And you're not being faithful to God in this area of generosity. It's because you're not trusting God that his word says in Philippians 4:19 that he will supply for every single one of your needs. Not some of them, not a few of them, but every single one of them. The reason why you're still living with that pride and still struggling with being prideful and you want to have all the right answers and it's hard for you to submit to leadership or submit to your boss or submit to someone in authority or to serve your wife and you want to always be right and you have a hard time keeping relationships and you struggle with pride is because you're not trusting God's word and God's word says it is better to walk in humility than walk in pride. Humility is not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of power, it's a sign of strength. Rather than always being right, it's better to be right with someone so that you can be right with the right relationships. Every sin issue in life is a trust issue. And so the way that you overcome sin in your life and you can overcome the flesh, it begins, the foundation is by surrendering it all 
to God and saying, listen, God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Move in me. Work in me. Operate in me. Minister to my life. It's not my will. It's your will. God, I surrender my entire life to you. You know, going back to the story of me, us being on vacation um, in that Carolina Pines Resort, which is really cool with our family. One of the things that we did is we rented a golf cart and uh, we don't own a golf cart. So the kids were really loving uh, spending time on the golf cart. And we would ride around the different com the communities and go around the pool area. And there's a picture of my, my daughter and I. And uh, one of the things with, with one, of, one of the days that we were there, my beautiful little four-year-old daughter, she wanted to ride the golf cart. And so then, uh, which I probably shouldn't have done this, but I'm, I wasn't going to let her drive the golf cart alone, but I put her on, on my lap. And so I put her on my lap, and I start uh, driving the golf cart, and, I'm, and she's steering the golf cart, and we're going from one place to another. She's all happy uh, like this and all jolly. And she thought that she was driving the vehicle. She was all like happy, you know, going from one place, one community to another, going to the pool area, then going where the RVs are, and going to this spot to where they barbecue. She thought she was driving the vehicle. But then she noticed that she wasn't driving it. I was the one driving the vehicle. See, my little beautiful daughter, she can't drive a golf cart. She doesn't have the skill. She doesn't have the ability. She doesn't have the knowledge. She doesn't have the competency. She doesn't have the height to make it to the pedals. She doesn't know how to drive a golf cart. So at some point she realized that it was me. So she stopped trying and she surrendered and trusted that daddy was going to take her to the right place. She no longer was trying to fight me, but she trusted that dad was going to take her to the place that we needed to go to. And so I took her on a journey and we were going. She was on my lap. I took her on a journey. We were going from one place to another, to another, to another. I was leading her to where I needed to lead her. Can I remind you today? Some of you in here today are holding on to the steering wheel of your life. And it is moment today on 4th of July weekend to let go of the steering wheel and say, God, I surrender it all. God, I trust it all. God, I surrender my marriage to you. God, I surrender my children to you. God, I surrender my finances to you. God, I trust you with my life. I trust you with my future. I trust you with my career. Take me where you need to lead me because I can't do this in my own effort. I can't do this in my own ability. I can't do this in my own skill. How many of you believe that today at our Red Lake campus, at our Core Gable campus, at our West Kendall campus, at Doral? I can't do it. So I'm going to let go of the steering wheel. You lead me. You guide me. I trust you. I surrender. Come on. You believe that today. I surrender it to God. I'm going to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes in this room. If you're watching us online, wherever you are, if you're at one of our campuses, Maybe you're joining us for the first time and you're thinking, Pastor Carlos, I'm tracking with you, but to be honest with you, I've never trusted in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I don't have God's Spirit inside of me. Maybe you've been coming here for many weeks or many months and you're like, I, I don't have the Spirit of God inside of me. Listen, my friend, the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Romans 3 says, verse 23, for all have sinned 
every single one of us in this room, every single one of us on stage, every single one of us watching us online, every single one of us, none of us are perfect. We've all made mistakes. We've all fallen into sin, but we follow a perfect Savior. And today, my friend, you have an opportunity on this weekend to give your life to Jesus Christ, to walk in freedom. You don't have to be the person that you've been. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You have an opportunity today to be that person with no one looking. If you're watching us online, no one looking. If you're making that decision, you're like, I want to give my life to God. I want to surrender it all. With no one looking, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not, we're not going to call you out. We're not going to put you in the spot. But I do want to know who you are so that I can pray for you. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this room. If that is you today, with no one looking at this room, would you just take a moment right now and lift up your hand as high as you can. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am, in the front. God bless you, ma'am, in the front. I see you. You're a new creation. God bless you right in the front row. God bless you, sir. God bless you, young person. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Lives are being changed all over this campus, all over our other campuses. You're watching us online. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Even if you did not lift up your hands, it's not lifting up your hand that saves you. It's not even the prayer that saves you but it's the condition of your heart and God wants sincerity. He wants your heart. He wants it all. He wants your life. And my friend, today you have an opportunity to give it all to Jesus, to walk in freedom. If you made that decision today, you're giving your life to Christ. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. You can pray something similar. You can pray the same exact words, but I'm going to take a moment right now and lead us in this prayer. Father God, I just come before you and I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of saving. Jesus, I believe that you died. You were buried and you were raised from the grave for my sins. And so Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Holy Spirit, come inside of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, be my best friend, be my everything. God, I ask you, Lord, to use me Write my name in the book of life. I repent for my sins. I turn away from my old life and I run to you today. I'm a new person. Thank you for your spirit, Father. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Forgive me of my sins and write my name in the book of life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. And amen. Church family, if you're excited for those that said that prayer, why don't we give it up to them? Amen. If you made that decision to follow Christ, we want to welcome you. It's the greatest decision that you can ever make in your entire life. And we want to celebrate with you. So please, 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 even if you did not lift up your hand, go to our Next Steps area. We have pastors and leaders and volunteers that are there. We want to pray for you. We want to give you a brand new Bible. We want to give you a gift. We want to welcome you to God's family. Please do so at this campus, at all of our campuses. We have people that want to help you in your relationship with Jesus. If you're watching us online, you can go to our website, cfmiami.org slash connect. And so I'm going to invite all the campus pastors forward. I love you, Christ Fellowship. Happy 4th of July. Make sure that you're barbecuing some good stuff. Love you all. God bless you. Have a great day. God bless you.